I want to welcome you today to a series of sermons we are continuing together that we are calling God Can. This series is uniquely and specifically designed to help you see all that you see through the lens of faith. All throughout this series, my, my, my single aim has been this one thing, to help build your faith, to see God, to trust God, to follow God, maybe like you've never followed him before, because we serve a God who can do anything. We've been exploring over these many weeks how God is the God who can save. And can I tell you, if you feel far from God or you wonder if God can actually, God can save you. We've discovered together how God can fight for us, how God can heal us. God can do so much. But I must tell you as I begin on today that um, even though we are many weeks into this series, I have strategically saved the best for last. Now, today is not the last day of this series. No, we've got a few more weeks of it, but I am starting the last on today. You see, even on next week, our next installment of this series is one I believe we all need, whether you call yourself a person of faith or not. In fact, particularly for those who are far from God or from those who are content in their goodness towards God, you need to be a part of next week. Next week, I'm going to unpack the reality that God can restore. He's the God that puts things back together. He's the God that heals, the God that mends, the God that never gives up on us. He is a God of restoration. And I need you now to get excited for it. I need you now to make it a priority. Tell about five people this week, you need to join me at church online. Or you need to meet, next week I'm going in person. You need to meet me in person. You need to get ready for what God is going to say, what God wants to do in your life as we move towards the end. But I can't be preaching next week on this week because I got a word on today. And it's in those notes. If you've got the notes from our website and you're following along with that today, if not, then let me surprise you and tell you right now that we serve a God who can provide. Oh, God can save and God can guide and God can fight And God can heal. Oh, God can do so much. God can purify you. But God can provide. But what do we mean when we call God provider? Do do we mean that like God will answer our every uh, request? That all of our hopes, all of our thoughts, all of our dreams, all of our wishes, all of our wants will come to be if we just do the right thing at the right time? Nah, that's not what we mean. We mean something way more than that. About a year ago, there was this, um, this guy who would come by our physical church location, the facility we operate out of, that we record in, that that we host services in, that we serve the community, he would come by literally every single day. He was a gentleman who I believe at that time did not have um, a consistent place to stay. Um, And he had come to the realization that out of our church, we serve meals to kids every single day, which we do. We've done this for 
for several years and continue to do and have some exciting improvements and advancements on that that I will be sharing with you uh, in the upcoming days and weeks. And so lean into that. But uh, he would come by because he found out, yes, we have these meals, but that we would also serve them to people who just simply are hungry. I mean, our designation has always been that they are four kids. That's our primary focus. But let me tell you, if you come across my path and you're hungry and I got something that I can give you to eat, then we're going to give you something to eat. But this gentleman stood out to me because he, he would come by and, and almost everyone that we serve, whether it's kids, parents, grandparents, bring it here, aunt, uncle, whomever, or people who come by and they need it for themselves, they need it for themselves and their friends. So grateful, so gracious, so like thankful for the work and the generosity that comes out of this house. This guy was a little different though. This guy would come by, ring the doorbell, and basically just say the same sentence every time. Didn't matter if it was me answering the door, one of the volunteers that may be in the building at the time, somebody that was here with some other gathering, say, man, give me one of those lunches. No, how's it going? No good to see you. No, uh, please, thank you, Lord, bless you, keep you, make his faith. No, 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 no. Man, give me one of those lunches. Now, there, there are two realities about me I think you need to understand. First of all, I, I can empathize with people who may find themselves in a predicament like, that gentleman was. I have never been homeless by the grace of God. I haven't. But I can understand how you would feel a certain way and, 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 and hurting all day, all night, scared, wondering, figuring like, like feeling like this is the bottom and you never like like I can I can empathize with that. Also, I am very, very good at biting my tongue. <laughs> I, uh, I think a thing about everything. Don't ask me for a piece of my mind because you might get a slice a little larger than you expect. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think a thing about everything, but I've gotten very, very good at, like, at, at biting my tongue. I mean, my, 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 tongue, my tongue got bite marks all over. Like, like at, at holding my, 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 my words and my thoughts and my expressions up to a point. And the thing is, I don't always know when that point is going to be. <laughs> and sometimes you weren't ready for it. And sometimes you weren't expecting it. And sometimes maybe it was our first time to even ever meet. And for whatever reason, <laughs> you're going to find out what I think. Well, I had, I had bit my tongue and held my tongue for a long time with this gentleman. And just sort of like, this is the way we're going to do it. This is going to be fine. But um, I remember there was this one day, the, the doorbell to our building rang, and it rang very early in the morning. And it was this gentleman. And I come out of the office, and I see him there, and I know what he's about to say. Man, give me one of those lunches. And so I opened the door, and like I often did, I greeted him. I said, hey, my friend, how's it going? He said, man, give me one of those lunches. Now, at this particular time, we actually didn't have the lunches physically in our building yet. 
See, they're delivered every single day, and uh, we don't control the exact time that they come. And this guy was also here very early. And also, we're not a restaurant and just have food on hand all the time. And also, even if we were a restaurant, restaurants have hours where they are open and where they are closed. But he said, man, give me one of those lunches. I said, man, we ain't got them yet for today. And there was no, oh, what time you think you're going to get them? No, man. He turned and started walking away. And as he started walking away, he started mumbling something. Let me tell you what, no, 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 no. You either say it to my grill or like, like you gonna meet my, and he started mumbling something, but he was mumbling something loud enough where I could hear it. And I just, again, it was one of those moments I wasn't trying to pop off on somebody, but I said, hey, fool. What I said. I said, hey, fool. He stopped. I said, what you say? Now, I know this may be an interesting experience for some people right outside the front doors of a church, but I said, hey, fool, what you say? He turned around. I said, what did you say? I said, you come up here asking for stuff every single day. And then on one day when you come literally at like 845 in the morning and our delivery hasn't come and you can go mumble away. What did you say? And so we get into it, right? We is exchanging words. This is the first thing I've ever heard out of his mouth. Besides, man, give me one of them lunches. And we start talking. And our conversation led to an opportunity for him to share a little more of his story. I learned a little more about what was going on with him. And so because we're having this conversation, I said, man, what do you actually want? Because I was explaining, I was like, man, clearly you come by here every day because you know that we care about you. We will serve you. I, I am guessing that there are the majority of the places that you ring their doorbell, the majority of the places that you go by, whatever they may be, aren't willing to help you. But for whatever reason, like you have come by here, you continue to come by here and we do help you. So you keep coming back. What do you actually want? And he said, I want a job. I said, really? He said, yeah. I said, you want a job? I said, what's, what's funny to me is I, I, I think you're just saying that because you think that's what I want to hear. You want a job. But um, what you fail to realize is whose doorbell you rang and the doorbell of what you rang. Because um, in the time that you've been ringing the doorbell, coming by here, never being gracious to the people that might serve you, never being grateful because gratitude has to be expressed. Otherwise, it's never gratitude, like never being grateful for what it is that's been provided for you. You just demand a lunch and walk along on your merry way. You could have had 10 different jobs if that's what you really wanted. Because I have people call me every week, text me, send me emails. Hey, do you know anybody who can work? Do you know anybody looking for a job? I said, the problem is, this is what I told him. I said, you see this space, you see us, you see me as a vending machine, not a partner who wants to provide for you. Now, some of you, Thank you. You better tell him, Pastor. Don't let nobody talk to you like that. I get, we, need, we need more of that in the world. Maybe we do. I think we do. 
But the funny thing is, is the whole time I've been telling this story, some of you have been building up this animosity, this, this caricature of ungratitude, this caricature of a lack of gratefulness towards a gentleman who would come by and ring the doorbell, come by and demand the meal all the time. Only thinking that that was somebody who came by and was like, why are they treating the church? Why is they treating you and the volunteers that were here? Why are they treating them like that? When that same attitude, that same perspective is the exact same way many of us treat God. See, a lot of us look at God in the same way that that gentleman who would come by and ring our doorbell every single day did. We want something from God that we want rather than recognizing he actually wants to partner with us and he actually wants to provide all of your needs according to all of them. Not just your financial needs, not just a little lunch that you may need to make it through another afternoon. So my admonishment to you, to all of us today, as we start to see God as who he is, is it's time to stop seeing God like he's your snack and start seeing God like he's your source. It is time to stop seeing God like he is just our genie who wants to give us some little crumbs to make it through a day. That's the only thing he's got. And start seeing him like he's the source that he is. That he's the source of our strength. He's the source of our life. He's the source of our purpose. He can provide for our every need because God can provide. That's what he does. Way more than just pack out, pass out little trinkets and trophies. Way more than just slide you a little something to make you feel better about your life and better about your day. He is the God who can provide. See, I know God can provide. Because I've seen God provide all the time. And so before I even begin to explain this to you on today, to teach you on today, I'm just going to brag on God if I may. <laughs> and if you don't like that, whatever. But I'm going to brag on God because God can provide. And my family is a testimony to God's provision. See, I grew up in a broken home, a very dysfunctional home. I spent some of the early years of what became a forced adulthood on me at 17 and 18 and 19 years old, very alone. I didn't have nobody. And to look at my life now and realize I've been married for 19 years, y'all. And God has been so good. He, he, is, he has provided me a partner in life who loves me and who I love. Who, there is nobody in this world I'd rather spend time with than her. God has given us a son who we love and he loves us and sometimes he even likes us. It's unbelievable. Like, like I am so grateful for, because I know what a dysfunctional family looks and feels like. Baby, I was bred in one. And to realize that I get to lead and participate in a family that loves one another, that enjoys spending time together. I am blessed. I, one of my sisters now lives in this, and we see her, and we see her family all the time. They in the church. They serve in the church. They live around the corner from us. Like, like to, to realize that somebody who grew up in a broken family like that 
that would be blessed by God to have the family that I get to experience right now. You can't tell me that God don't provide. When I look at our church, I see that God can provide. Because when we stepped out to start believing, we had what was supposed to be called a parent church. The problem is our parent, before we were even born, decided they wanted to abort their child. If you don't like the phraseology, I'm sorry, but that's what was true. They tried to kill us before we ever took our first breath. But the devil is a liar and God's purposes will prevail. We were birthed. And then even as a little infant, they threw us out the house and left us on our own before we could even crawl. And when I stop for a second and think about what God has done in the last five or six years, how he has provided for us. We didn't get to start the way we wanted to start. We didn't get to begin and launch and do all these things. We didn't have the resources to do it, didn't have the ability to do it, it just didn't happen. But we have served and we have scrapped and we have fought and we have been faithful to what God has called us to do. And I look around and think about the fact that, that God has blessed us to influence the lives of so many people. That he has graced us with the ability to serve literally tens of thousands of people over these last several years with free groceries. That he's blessed us with the ability to be a, a constant beacon of good in our neighborhood. That he's enabled us to serve families. That he's enabled us to to be able to partner with a Spanish congregation and now serve people in English and in Spanish the good news about Jesus, that he has blessed us with, with people whose lives are being transformed by Jesus and Jesus alone. The fact that he's graced us with resources to serve thousands of kids' toys at Christmas, the fact that he has done all that he has done, the fact that he's given us permanency in a place, in the city that we love, in a neighborhood that needs it. I can't help but brag on the God who can provide. <laughs> the God who can provide even when we had a dream that was just that, a dream. See, I've seen God provide towards the dream that we had to provide quality, affordable housing for single moms. And our first house was nothing more than a dream at the time. But God graced us and blessed us with an organization that funded that dream to enable us to buy a house that now has enabled us to have an organization that literally this week got its own 501c3. And this week has been able to build connections and opportunities that I'm going to share with you in the upcoming weeks. Maybe if you don't like good news, you ain't going to like our church for the next little while because I got, I got good news to share opportunities that God has graced us with to be a blessing to our city, to not just have a house or two or three, but literally to be able to have dozens of houses, one day hundreds of houses for the glory of God, the good of people in our city to provide that quality of for. Don't tell me God can't provide. That is what he does. Now I know what you're thinking though. You're thinking that's great for you. But that hadn't been my experience. Okay. But it could be. God can provide for you. He can. And today I want to show you in the scriptures, in a few different places, 
people who God does provide for. Characteristics that he does respond to. Habits that he takes heed of and steps in as people are shaped in his way. God can provide. Today, I want to not just encourage your faith with stories of the past and present of God providing, but help you to see how God can provide for you. Write this down in your notes. Come on, if you got them from our website or you got some paper, write this thing down. God can provide for the seeker. God can provide for the seeker. What do you mean? The seeker is the one who pursues God's plans through their, catch this, reshaped priorities. God can provide for the seeker. God can provide for the one who pursues God's plans, his purposes through their reshaped priorities. This is what Jesus taught us in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 31, 32, and 33. Listen to his words. He says, so don't worry. Isn't that what most of us do about provision? We worry. Isn't that what most people in our world do? Isn't that what the news sells you? Isn't that what that, that Twitter account that just keeps popping up for you over and over and over again keeps trying? You should be worried. You should be scared. You should be full of fear. Don't worry, Jesus said. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? For idolaters eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. But... Here it is. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What you eat, what you drink, what you wear, all these things will be, not may, will be, not could be, will be provided because he's our provider for you. What will we eat? What we drink, what we wear. These are the thoughts that Jesus says consumes those who do not trust God as provider, who are seeking first those things and not seeking first him, not seeking first his kingdom, not seeking first the priorities, the righteousness of his kingdom. And so what some people have done in order to try to get people to be directed on a seeking is we have somehow made people feel shameful about having things or made people feel shameful about being focused on things in any way. No, no, no. You need to understand the issue is never you having things. The issue is always things having you. It's not that if you have something, now you're bad. <laughs> or if God graces you or blesses you with something that now you are just this evil. No, 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 no. The issue is when those things have us. Now, some of us try to be slick and act like we ain't the type that really gets consumed and all this kind of stuff. But the truth is, that's all we seek. The only thing we think about when we think about our resources, when we think about our finances, is how our finances are going to turn into us living in the place we want to live or driving the thing that we want to drive 
or wearing the outfit or getting that bag or being able to have that vacation or being able to do that thing, being able to flex on people in a certain way. That is all that consumes our thinking. And there's nothing wrong with those things. There's nothing wrong with having a house. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with driving a car that you like. There's nothing wrong with wearing an outfit that you like. Man, I'm proud of this outfit. There is a problem when those things have you. And when what you seek is those things more than you seek the kingdom of God. When you seek getting that, when you seek living there, when you seek driving that, when you seek going to that place more than you care about the purposes, the plans, the priorities, the kingdom of God. That's a problem. Because when you seek that stuff, more than you seek his purpose, his plan, and kingdom. The truth is you're seeking most that, and those things have you. God can provide for the seeker. Because in your notes, seekers want God most. The thing they want most in their life is God's will, his way, his kingdom to come, his will to be done. And so they give his full and their focused attention to him. Seekers want God most. But skeptics want provision most. See, the opposite from Jesus' explanation of a seeker is a skeptic. Is ultimately someone who does not believe that God can provide what they need to eat, what they need to drink, what they need to wear. What they need to live, where they need to stay, what they need to get from place to place. Skeptic. And the truth is, is that what prevents us from being the seeker God wants us to be is the skepticism that God can't provide. Seekers want God most. Skeptics want provision most. And what a skeptic will say is as soon as I get dishandled, then I'll trust God. Then I'll seek first God. As soon as I get my car taken care of, you better believe I'm going to start being generous. It never happens. As soon as we move into the house, then we're going to, it never happens. Because you're skeptical that God can provide. Baby, if I had, if, if you wanted to tune in for the three-hour version of this message, maybe I should do an unedited, extended cut of this thing. I could tell you story on story on story about how God has provided. But I ain't got time because you don't want to be in church for four and a half hours. Like, but too many of us, maybe even you, are skeptical that God can do what Jesus said he can do. So you seek first the thing because you're skeptical of his provision for you. See, too many people want God prioritizing their plans rather than them prioritizing God's plans. They want God to value. God, come on, just value me being able to have that, live there, do that, go there. When God says, no, 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 what you do is you seek first my kingdom, my righteousness, Put your full attention on me first and watch me. Watch me provide all that you need. Because if you seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, all these things will be provided for you. 
So what do you really want? That's the question you have to wrestle with. Do you really want God? Or do you just want what God can provide for you? See, this starts as a matter of the heart that then gets expressed in what we do. God can provide for the seeker, but that seeking starts on the inside of you. It starts with your decisions and your determinations that ultimately manifest themselves in what you do. Are you worried about what you're going to drive? Are you worried about where you live? Are you consumed with what it is you eat, drink, where it is you stay, how people perceive? Are you consumed with all these things? The friend, you're skeptical that God can provide those things for you. But if you will seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he says, all the things you need, I will provide for you. Because God can provide for the seeker. But also, write this down. God can provide for the steward. God can provide for the steward. The steward is the one who uses well whatever God has already, somebody needs to just say to themselves, already entrusted to them. God can provide for the steward. God can provide for the one who uses well whatever God has already entrusted to you. The thing is about most of us in our bequeathing our God is that everyone wants more, right? God, give me more money so I can serve you. God, give me more time so I can serve you. God, give me more energy so I can serve you. God, give me more strength so I can serve you. God, give me. Everybody wants more. But why should God ever give us more if we're not using what he's already given us well. Oh, I thought I had heard an amen from somebody's house, but that wasn't that. Um, why should God ever give us more if we are not using, if we are not stewarding what he's already given us well? See, what we do is we compare and complain. We look at what he's given us and compare it to what somebody else has. And talk about, God, if you really love me, then why don't I have a full time? And why don't I have a raise? And why don't I have a bigger house? And why don't I have a newer? And why don't I? And we compare and complain to God rather than asking for better control of what we already got. When's the last time your prayer sounded like that? God, help me. To manage well what you've already given me. God, I don't see it fully, but, but I, I, I know what you've asked me to do, and I know what my reality is right now. God, give me better control. God, give me greater stewardship. Help me to steward what you've already given me well. Next month in November, we're going to be hosting on Tuesday nights our money class. This will be our final class of this calendar year. But it is one of the most significant classes I believe that we teach and offer. And the whole premise of it, like Kanye once said, is we're going to help you get your money right. Like that's the whole goal. I want you to get your money right. And so this class is unique. In fact, I want to tell you what we're going to do. because. I believe there are many people under the sound of my voice, listening to this podcast, watching on YouTube, watching online, that you need 
this money class. The first week of it, we, we teach the foundational principle that we then build off of and try to help you achieve over the course of that class. And it's all built around margin. Because the base theme thinking of the class is this. You'll never win with money as long as you consume everything that you take in. If everything that comes in gets consumed, you will never win. I don't care if you get a raise. I don't care if you make six figures or seven figures or nine figures. If you consume all you take in, you will never have enough. So we start there. And then from there, we build. And then in the second class, we actually teach you how to budget. And we don't do this. That first class, I'll teach. But the second class, we actually bring in like experts in finance who will teach you budgeting. They literally live in the world of finance. They work in banking. They understand this far better than your boy or something. Like this is what they do. And they will come in and show you how to create a budget, show you how to follow the budget, give you helpful and healthy percentages that if this gets beyond this percentage, you better watch out. You're probably in the red zone unless you guys, like they will show you and teach you all this. Then the third week, we will help you break greed off your life because there is a spirit on money called mammon. And we will show you how to break that off your life because as a person of faith. You will never be able to win with money as long as mammon sits on you. And quite honestly, that's the reason most people don't win with money, whether they're people of faith or not. They don't win with money because of the mammon, the greed. That's something. So we'll show you how to break it. And then in the final week of the class, we will give you a step-by-step process how to go from where you are to being someone who is not stressed about money. For real. Starting right where you are. I don't care if it's a, you know, a one income family. I don't care if you work part time. I don't care if you got a lot of debt, no debt. We can show you how to steward well what you've been given right now. Now, some of you are like, that does not sound very spiritual. Sounds incredibly spiritual to me. One of Jesus' most famous stories that he told, parables as they're called, is what we know as the parable of the talents. And the story Jesus tells, this is my abbreviated version of the story that Jesus tells. He says that there was a master who is representative of, of, of God, who called three of his servants to him before he went away on a long journey. And he gave them each an amount of money to manage, to care for, to control, to use, according to their ability. Scripture says he gave five talents to one, two talents to another, and one talent to the last. Now, some of us don't hear that and think, they think, oh, one dude got gypped. No, you need to understand, one talent was equal to uh, 20 years worth of wages for a day worker. So imagine somebody that goes out, works an hourly job. They're making $12, $15 an hour. What they would make if they worked full-time for 20 years, he gave that. That was one talent. Somebody got two of those. Somebody got five of those. The one who got five, as Jesus tells the story, went out, worked with the money, and doubled what was given to him. The one who was given two went out, worked with the money, doubled it, and now has four that he gave. But the one who was given one said he knew some things about the master, that he would be called into account for what he had. And so he took that talent, dug a hole in the ground, and buried it. And he knew where it was so he could come get it if the master ever asked for it. Well, after a long time, the master comes back. 
And he calls his servants and asks them to give an account. And the one who had five brought the five that the master gave him and the ten. And he said, here you go. I took what you did and I worked it the best I could. And the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with these small things. Now, can we stop for a second on the small things? Because the master says you've been faithful with these small things. This brother had a hundred years worth of a day wage earner's money. He had millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars given to him. He went out and doubled it. And the master said, you've handled these small things well. So, you know, what God thinks about money. How trivial it is to him. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with these few things. Now I'm going to put you in charge of great things. The one who was given two brought his two and brought back two more and said, I, I, I worked it. I doubled it. Here you go. And the master said the exact same thing to him. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've handled these small things. Now let's go put you in charge of great things. The one who was given one brought the one and brought it before the master and told him, I really took it and I dug a hole in the ground and there, there it was for you. And the master looked at him and called him a wicked and lazy serpent. And he said, get out of my face. That's my translation. And then in verse 29, Jesus concludes this statement, sort of wrapping up this idea that he's sharing here in this way. He says, to those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Stewardship is so close to the heart of God. And God can and God will provide for the steward. It does not matter what he gave you to start with. It matters how you use what he gave you. See, God is actually not concerned with what you have or don't have. What you think you need or don't think you God's not concerned with that. God is concerned with how you use what it is you have. How are you using what he's already placed in your hand? You see, you won't have to give an account for what it is you don't have. But you will give an account for what it is you do have. And we're all entrusted with something. And here's the truth, friend. God's provision will come to those who steward well what he gave. God's provision will come to those who steward well what they gave. Some of you don't like me saying that. And the reason you don't like me saying this is because you don't think you've seen God's provision. May I contend that if the, you haven't seen God's provision, maybe it's because you're not a good steward. Maybe it's because you don't treat with significance and priority what God has entrusted you now. You say, one day, when God really gets some significant stuff to me, when God really blesses me, then I will. No, you won't. See, because stewards use well. That's what stewards do. Stewards are not people who have a certain... Stewards simply use well. Whatever it is. I got a part-time job and God, and that's all my income. I steward it well. Stewards use whatever this season of life is. However many years they have. Whatever strength they have. They use it well. Selfish? Justify not. Stewards use well. 
Whatever God gives them. If he gives them five talents, he gives them two, or he gives them one. They will use it well. Selfish people, which is the opposite of a steward, they justify not using. Isn't that what the one who was given one did? The master called him wicked and lazy. You know what happens when you put wickedness and laziness in the pot and swirl them together? You get selfishness. Because really what happened is while the one who was given five and the one who was given two was out working that thing, the one who was given one went on living his life. That direct deposit still hit, so he wasn't worried about being about the master's business. He could still hang out with his friends, talk about, I don't know why they're working so hard. The master be all, no, I just bury mine in the ground. It's fine. I'm just saving it. <laughs> Which leads me to the question for you. What you doing with that that he gave you? Like right now, not, not, not what happens five years from now or, or next year or, or the next time you can get right now. What are you doing with that? How are you stewarding the relationships, the influence, the energy, the gifts, the finances that God has given you right now? Are you a good steward or not? See, we are getting ready as a church for one of our most fun but also most significant times of the year that we call Christmas Palooza. And we're going to serve thousands of kids Christmas toys for free. Last year, we were able to serve right at 2,000 kids in excess of 6,000 Christmas toys for free out of this church. And I've had people contact me asking me how we were able to do it. Some other pastors, like around the country and everything, saying, how were you all able to do that? And I explained to them that, like, you know, our, our church handles all the administrative sides of things, and, and we run this. But then um, we reach out and build sponsorship partnerships. We have businesses that donate funds to enable us to buy toys, and 100% of their donation goes to buy toys. And so the kids we're able to serve, the way we're able to serve that many kids is because businesses like donate and give. And I've had some of the people I've talked to about it say, oh, well, you must just have a bunch of business owners in the church. And I was like, well, um, there are people who work at places, um, people who own businesses in our church, and some of those sponsor Christmas Palooza. Some can, some do, some don't. Like, what are we, we certainly encourage that. And I would encourage that to you right now. Like, like come, be a, be a part. If you own a business, work somewhere, talk to your boss. Everything's online at christmaspalooza.org. Be a part of this. But I also told them, I said, honestly, the majority, even just dollar-wise, comes from businesses, comes from organizations that are not a part of our church. Companies that aren't really spiritual in any way. And I explained to them why I think it happens. I said, because I have a lot of relationships in our city with business leaders and business owners and people who do sing. And, and, and I don't ask them for things all the time. I try to steward those relationships. I try to give far more than I ask. If they need someone to come in and pray at their prayer breakfast, they know who to call. When, when, when one of the members of their company dies suddenly and ain't nobody got a pastor, they know who to call to come to the office and provide counseling and, and encouragement and prayer for their employees who are grieving in that moment. 
When they want to serve the city and have no idea how to really serve the city, they know who to call. And we never charge. I have taught in so many companies around our city and never charged anything. Because I want to be a friend and a good steward of the relationship, the access that God might give me. But then when it comes to providing toys to kids at Christmas, you better believe I'll ask. You better believe I will extend an opportunity to them. And I really believe it's God's grace on good stewardship of relationships he's brought our way. Because God can provide for the steward. He can provide for you as you steward well whatever it is he's given you. But there's one more I must touch on before we are finished on today. Because God can provide for the seeker, his kingdom, not stuff. God can provide for the steward, the one who uses well whatever they have been given. And God can provide, write this down, for the sower. For the sower. This is the one who consistently invests in the work that matters to God. Sower, like sowing seed. In fact, that's actually the analogy that Paul uses in the second book of Corinthians chapter 9. He says this, now the one, talking about God, who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. Paul is remarkably clear right here. God will give seed to the one who takes that seed and sows it. Let me be clear. God does not give seed to the spender. God does not give seed to the saver. God does not give seed to the squanderer. God gives seed to the sower. God provides resources to those who are willing to take their resources and invest in his kingdom, his work. God provides seed to the sower. The truth is, too many people do not know how to sow because they're more concerned about their seed than they are God's harvest. Because you have to sow something in order to reap a harvest. And that harvest isn't just like more money for you. No, no, no. God provides seed to the sower. But there's a harvest that happens on the other side of that seed being planted. The problem is most people are only concerned about the seed in their hand and not the harvest that God wants to bring through their sowing. See, sowers invest the resource. That's what giving in the kingdom of God is. It's an investment. It's an investment. When I give, that's what I think of it. I, it's an investment. People's lives are being changed. Families are being put back together. People who are far from God are finding hope in Jesus. Salvation is happening. Hungry people are being fed. The good news of Jesus is being spread far and wide. It is an investment. Sowers see it that way. Sowers invest the resource. Squanderers waste the resource. See, sowers know that I'm taking this and I'm putting it in ground that will grow, ground that will multiply, ground that will bring about a harvest for the kingdom. Squanderers just use it on themselves. 
See, some of us get so consumed with the increase, the increase, the increase, we miss what Paul said about increase. Increase isn't for gain, but for generosity. You will be enriched. This is verse 11, 2 Corinthians 9. You will be enriched in every way. Why, Paul? For all generosity. The organization of women that made the most substantial investment we have had to date into Yellow House. Um, I got to be at one of their meetings a couple of months ago after we had done the house and been able to just share the progress and thank them. And I told them this. Now, this is an irreligious women's organization. They are not like a faith-based organization. You know what I'm saying? They ain't like, we love Jesus and our city. Like, no, 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 no. Like, there are people in the organization that definitely love Jesus. And there are people in the organization that definitely don't. And okay. But they want to do good work. And I, I went there. They, they wanted me to share. And, uh, you know, there were a couple hundred women there that I was, I was sharing this to. And I, I shared this idea that really what they were able to give to us was, was a seed. And I, I said, I know, I know that people may think, oh, it was our idea or our strategy or whatever. But I said, no, 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 no. Here's why we were able to receive that. It's because God knew it wouldn't stay with us. Because what happens is he gives seed to the sower. The reason he brings seed is because he knows that the people he brings the seed to will sow it. And so he knew that if we were blessed with this, that what would happen was what was supposed to happen, and it would be for his glory and the good of people around him. And this irreligious organization, they had church that night. <laughs> You're welcome. They had church that night. And it's because that's what God does. He brings seed to the sower. He can provide for you. But provision, please catch this, is never about God's resources. It's always about our readiness. I don't know where we got broke God theology. But some people think that God is like, ain't got enough to help you. My Bible says he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And the old folk used to say he owned the hills too. And uh, it's true. God is not lacking. God is not short on resources. He will provide for you. It's all about our readiness. It really is the difference between a closed hand and an open hand. See, the thing about a closed hand is whatever I put in the closed hand, as long as my hand stays closed, it stays in there. I won't release it. I won't let it go. It can't go anywhere. But the truth is, can't nothing else get in my hand as long as it's closed. But if my hand stays open, yeah, there may be vulnerability for what's in my hand to be taken from my hand, but there's also opportunity to receive. See, I think there are far too many people that call themselves people of faith that have received something from God, whatever it is, this season of life. You've received this ability. You've received these resources. You've received this energy. You've received this, and we hold on to it so tightly, and we operate towards God with a closed fist. And we don't want to let go of what he's already, but we won't steward it, and we won't seek him, and we won't sow it. We just want to hang on to it until the end, because like, I'm going to hang on. 
because we're scared that somehow God won't bring us more. See, if you're not seeing God's provision in your life right now, friend, can I tell you, maybe it's because your hand isn't open. Maybe it's because the way you look at God, the way you're responding to God is with a closed hand. Seek him first. That's living open-handed. Steward well whatever he's given you. That's living with an open hand. Be someone who sows into his kingdom. Even if it moves you to the line of sacrificing. Sow! And watch God provide for you because God can provide and you will see his provision I've seen it I told you about there are people around you people who could testify to God's provision the scripture writers could testify as well the psalmist says I have never seen the righteous forsaken nor their seed begging for bread so my challenge to you today is to open your hand watch God provide. You say, what do you mean? Some of you today need to start giving. You've been coming to the church, uh, uh, living off other people's generosity for long enough. And today's the day God say, listen, I want to provide for you, but you, 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 you would think that you did it. Some of you need to start tithing. You sort of give, you sort of tip here and there, God, here's a little bit, here's a little bit, but you need to put him first in the way that he said to be. Some of you need to set up reoccurring giving and say, God, before I even have a chance to move, like, I'm going to trust you with this. Some of you need to go reevaluate your, 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 your reoccurring giving because you just set something because it was convenient for you and you forgot about it. And it isn't the sacrifice. It isn't the sowing that he's called you to. You're not being a good steward with what you've received right now. Some of you, what you need to do today, this is you open hand. You need to today sign up for our money class. It is free. But the problem is you recognize that you are not a good steward of what God has given you right now. And you want to start stewarding well what he has placed in your hand. When you do any, some, all of these types of things, you're beginning to trust that God can provide. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray, pray that it would reach far and wide. I pray that it would touch our hearts, but more than touch our hearts, it would affect our living and that we would be people who live in such a way that it reflects what's true in our hearts, that we believe that you can provide. And we will give you testimony and we will give you praise and we will give you honor as you do provide, as we see you provide as we seek, as we see you provide as we steward, as we see you provide as we sow for the honor of your great name. Jesus, we love you and we pray all this in your matchless and powerful name. And everybody said, amen.